Hello and welcome back to Beamvoice. Today I have the pleasure to talk to Yasin Walid, who is the Managing Director of Sigma Dimensions. Hello Yasin, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, uh, Petru. How are you? I'm very well and uh, I'm very happy to have you here. Let's start with telling us a bit more about yourself. All right. Well, uh, my name is Yasin Walid, as you rightly said. I'm a uh, civil engineer and structural engineer. And for most of my career, I practiced on site. So I was in the mud doing the groundwork, receiving all the information from obviously everyone in the, in the project to try and build something, which is weird because uh, after seven years, well, six years on site, I left that and started doing BIM, which is the reason I'm also in this channel. It's been a, a tough journey in the past few years and learning was a bit of a, a rough ride, let's say. And my definitions have changed throughout. So yeah, that's the roughly, it's in a nutshell. What is your company doing? Well, we do uh, the usual BIM services that you know about, such as modeling and coordination and construction documentation. But we focus uh, specifically on the output because we, we really don't care about process. Really, every project decides to implement something different. So we keep in mind what the client really wants. And it's uh, usually a PDF drawing on site, which is well annotated and contains all the information we need to just build and not ask any questions ultimately. So we do that a lot. And it is uh, what we've been doing the most, let's say. And until very recently, since we started uh, contributing with uh, to Blender BIM, we also started doing more 4D and 5D, uh, especially construction simulations, uh, where we have people asking us to just run the simulation of their project and sometimes even uh, change certain decisions based on the planning that we output. So that's uh, some of it. And since I started learning to code. My business partner focuses on the business and I do more of the research and the production. So I'm more of the engineering part and my partner does all the business part. And that's how we organize ourselves to uh, kind of self-fund our, our research while still be able to uh, make money uh, at the end of the day. I understand, I understand. Very briefly, what tools are you using usually? Well, we use a lot of Revit to do uh, the uh, construction documentation. But for uh, the 4D, it's only Blender. So as you know, Blender is already extremely powerful to make uh, animations. So we've used that to be able to represent our planning, obviously, based on the, the objects we have in the building. And uh, not only that, we, we did a lot more with Dion, which is actually the way I, uh, I started doing all this. That's also how I learned about IFC and uh, starting to do more of open source because I used to be a very secretive, let's say, person, believing in intellectual property and thinking that hiding what I do would ultimately uh, make things, uh, would put us in a better stead in the industry. But I think that that's a lie. There are certain things you don't need to compete on. And uh, what we did with Blender was one of them. And we also gave a alternative to the industry to do 4D with a, a free tool, first of all, and also something that's heavily powerful and will stay open source forever. What do you mean with uh, we gave it to the industry? Did you code this part, these uh, capabilities of Blender Beam for that purpose? Well, not really. So Blender in itself has a lot of uh, animation tools. 
and the rendering and it's, it's a full 3D package. Now, what we did is by reading the IFC database, and well, writing to it as well, because we can also create uh, schedules from start and uh, create resources and so on. We just read that information to be able to display things in the interface. So if, if you look at Blender, like our interface to, to manipulate a database, and the database is the IFC one, and it contains that information, then your Blender interface will show things depending, how, depending on how you want to manipulate it. So let's say you want to show certain building objects with a certain effect. So you use the Blender effect, but when and where you show the object will depend on the IFC database. So that's how you, we combine both. So we don't redo uh, a lot of animation tools, they exist, and we can build on top of them mm -hmm. to then create easy and good looking simulations based on that. Bear in mind, I, I used to hate uh, IFC because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And uh, when I heard the term and any, any BIM term, to be honest, uh, Kobe or IFC or BCF or whatever it was, it used to break my mind. I, I, it was things that I barely used and I didn't need them. Nobody was asking for it. So throughout watching your videos and uh, meeting Dion, uh, I've learned a, a great deal since then. And he's mentored me to, to be able to code a lot in uh, Blender BIM. So by doing that, my perspective of IFC is a bit different to most in the industry. For me, it's not about exchanging information. It's more about using it as a database to just access information and display it the way you want. So it's a novelty and some people uh, frown upon that, thinking that it, it's not workable to just have a, a common database that everybody uses through an interface. But that's essentially what's been done. And mm -hmm. I think that it's proven it can work. Certainly... Certain things in the schema can be better described and they're being improved. Yeah, that, that's a very big issue, actually. And uh, like you said, it's very easy to dislike something that you don't really understand. Yeah. And it becomes even easier to do that when that thing is very cryptical, right? And it doesn't have a very good documentation, very beginner-friendly documentation, let's say, right? So I think there is a lot to be desired and I hope a lot will change regarding that because I think that is something what we need if we want IFC to be easier embraced by the entire industry. I think that's the biggest challenge. But I also think that right now what is happening is good because we are trying to define the purpose of this uh, approach, right? Of this schema is still not defined 100% and you cannot go and work on all fronts from the beginning. So this is kind of how I see what I understand that is happening. Well, imagine trying to describe the whole built environment. Surely it's a, it's a difficult task. And exactly. I haven't seen anyone try to do it and I would love to see a project that uh, describes things better than IFC or is as widely used as IFC. There are other projects, of course, that describe buildings, but they all have their uh, differences. And with IFC, it's more the way I see it is uh, if we imagine the early beginnings and uh, think that a few software vendors got together and started adding the way they describe things. Mm -hmm. Maybe they described it a long time ago and then updating that was slow and maybe they didn't have so much interest in updating it as much as they would need to and just use it 
for basic things and not to transfer the whole intelligence of your building model. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, if, if all the the links of uh, the entities that you have in, in a model are all laid out in front of you, then yeah. you know the full way of how your model works. And with IFC, you can create a BIM model from scratch, not just exchange things from one software to another. So if if they if that becomes a thing, I, I don't know how uh, software vendors may react to. Uh, to their uh, way of doing things. Obviously, IFC isn't enough. Why? Because it'll never describe everything. Just like we said, it's a complex yeah. industry, it's a complex systems, and only when things are needed, they'll be added to the schema, or if there is an interest for it. If obviously somebody comes with some financial background and needs to implement something and make it available for the whole world so that his data is easily transferable to other software, then he'll need to implement that. It's not a free ride either, and it's the closest we've come to agreeing on how the built environment works. So there is a lot of value to it. For startups like us, it's about not repeating the wheel and working with something that works already. We're not interested in creating a BIM software from scratch, nor designing a database model from scratch. So you use that to work with it and yeah. build on top of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also what uh, may have happened to uh, Hypar. They ended up designing their own uh, schema to describe uh, building elements. And it works for them because uh, IFC doesn't evolve as quickly as they would wish it to yeah. and uh, also because they need to do more things and describe things simpler in a simpler manner to erase all the documentation complexities and whatnot so i understand the temptation in creating a, a schema i just don't think everybody has the means to create something that big and that complex from scratch so mm -hmm. there's a big advantage in using it more than there are disadvantages I would say, and I've and I've seen a lot of conspiracy theories yeah. around the subject, which makes me chuckle. That's interesting what you say that Hyper uh, try to do. I would deem that to be very risky, especially nowadays that IFC and Building Smart is pushing this very hard, and more and more companies and institutions are trying to use it, right? Because you you might invest in a project that can be rendered unusable. If, uh, if IFC takes on the entire world and becomes a requirement from the clients, then you end up wasting uh, some time in something that won't be used. When you create a schema, like I know that Hyper are fully compatible with IFC, so they can go back and forth in between. So that's not a problem. Okay. And and that that is the thing. If you, if you can communicate well with IFC, then you can have that. Yeah, I'm I'm part of the Open BIM uh, ecosystem, and not just uh -huh. uh, yeah. I do my own thing in my own siloed uh, area. And yeah, I've pondered about uh, creating a little schema for uh, construction data, especially because some of it is is really not described in the IFC schema for uh, the details of construction resources, planning and management and site events that happen uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And you would need to describe those before making a, a good site management application. And if we've been coming up with things and randomly doing them, it's, it's good to standardize, use it, then they can. The only problem there is fully with the schema because some of the information will just be lost. If we can't describe it in IFC, then I'll, I'll lose that information. And that's my issue with IFC. Other people have other issues with IFC, like software vendors wrongly export their data, which, which is exportable if <laughs> you wrongly do it. And that's an 
think the uh, the data loss problem that we may have if we invent our own schema is the things we would describe don't currently exist in IFC, whereas the exports from your other BIM software that you use on a daily basis, that comes from a wrong implementation of the standard. It's a completely different story of data loss and data loss can come from many things. Interoperability is very hard. I work in projects where they use a lot of Autodex product and they often import in between these different software and you would see a big mess. And I have no idea where it comes from, how it would be fixed, and you just work with it. Certain things then become risky for automating quantities and so on, but at least you get to do construction plans, which is already good enough. Construction documentation is uh, the most important thing for me, because all I care about, as I said, is having uh, good construction plans on site. I, I used to suffer, to be honest. I used to hate it when I was on site and I look at a drawing and it doesn't have the detail I need. And I like, I start calling or asking my design manager, how, how are we going to do this? And either he sketches something up with a piece of paper and pen, or it's a question of calling the architect, agreeing, mm-hmm. so on, which that is a pain. And I hate losing time. I, I, I like to get on with it, you know? Yeah. Anywho, we have yeah. a slogan uh, at Sigma Dimensions. It's one-shot construction because we think it's it's best to think and plan way ahead instead of just going straight to side and doing things and i've had quite a few problems with that in uh, moroccan companies because i worked in three companies in my life before starting mine the first one was with uk a french company in the uk and they have a very french culture they're excellent in construction been doing it for a while so they're they standardize construction in a way they they really have but they uh, they work in a way different way than McAlpine, who is the second company I worked for. And that's more British, more contractual. You depend on your supply chain a whole lot more. But in Morocco, it's a whole other different story. In the whole world, you may start construction before design is finished. But sometimes here, you start before the structural plans are finished completely. And even though they're approved, there are certain things which must change and will need to change if you finish your design. And if you think about your project with the bigger picture in mind, thinking about all the details that you have, if you miss the details, then you're going to have problems every day. And even if you do BIM or whatever, that's that's not the issue. The issue is doing things at the right time and having all the details you need to plan correctly, to buy your materials on time, to get your contractors on time, to call them on time. And then you can build a Lego-like building it's just like a game we need to make it like a game construction but a a game that everybody knows the rules to and not we just make up the rules in in every company so every company will build differently and it's a it's a shame now you even see companies with robotics and all these things and i i like to see those videos because for me it's still far i don't see it in my day-to-day practice i don't see it when i go to site and other companies trying to sell robots to the construction industry and maybe they'll solve it before we do because we're too slow and uh, we don't have innovation within i wish we had more programmers in construction companies there are more architect programmers i feel in the world than there are construction managers or site people that program and i think it will happen People start realizing that that's important, but it's a, it's a slow shift. And I think the biggest challenge is uh, it's very difficult to fit them on the payroll and justify the cost. That's the problem, you know. And uh, not not every company affords to like 
they would see maybe this as a research and development, right? And not every company operates with margins that can uh, allow that to happen, right? So it's a very complicated, I know, I agree a lot with this. I truly think the same, but I think it's not uh, as a um, black and white issue that you can just, let's do this and it's happening. It's more much nuanced than that. I want to go back to exporting IFCs from uh, other softwares and so on. Why do you think they are making so difficult? And why do you think they are prolonging this? and they're dragging this on and they don't have that as a priority. I'll answer the second question first. I don't think uh, big companies innovate uh, very fast when they uh, start making money with their products. They, they become reliant on what they've built already. And the other problem with that is if you're also a, a software company that does a software release every two years or uh, three years or even yearly, there's only so much you're going to see every year. You could see more things in uh, certain aspects and not everybody cares about the same aspects uh, from that relief. So it's hard to to please the, all the parties. And before, I, I think OSR have been uh, talking a lot about the industry. And since then, it, it's been pushing things to a, a very good direction where even software vendors are getting their act together and improving how they use IFC, well, how they read it, how they export it, not yet using it as a common database that we can't dream as much so early, but at least they're improving the quality of the exports, I believe, and also maybe the interface. I, I, I've seen uh, the latest Autodesk release. There's a little thing to, to please us. It's not enough, definitely not enough, because uh, there's a lot more that goes into that. But yeah, I wish, uh, Things were a bit different. I'm not sure now why they they have a bad export or bad import. It's, there are many ways to do things. And so you either support them all or you just use what you support. But what you support, you must support it well. And if in doubt, you ask questions. And, and I honestly don't know how a lot of software vendors get away with the, with this. I mean, they have certifications and they, they barely import or export correctly. Whereas uh, with what we've done on Blender BIM, we're open because the certification process is a big mess, to be honest. But we're producing better quality IFCs than most of these software vendors. And I don't think we're geniuses. We're just people who read specifications and apply them to the letter. Now, the other problem with IFC is the data you have inside and the amount of information you have also depends on what the user will put in. So imagine you're modeling in another software and your modeling techniques are a mess. You don't have all the categories to model certain objects and you start playing with things and using meshes and whatnot, and your categories are all wrong. You can't export that correctly. You can't trust your building elements anymore for quantities or for any other scheduling purposes. And you start to doubt the purpose of that. But then you are the, the initial problem when you were muddling because you're just putting random data because you don't know what data to put. And, and, and that's normal. If we had like boxes to say, okay, here are the parameters you're allowed to have. And not, I'm not talking about the simple basic parameters we commonly have in our uh, uh, 3D modeling software nowadays. I'm talking about the IFC parameters and mapped correctly between what you have in your software and what exists in IFC. And if you want to add an information, then it automatically is mapped. Why should I, the user, be the one mapping that information? I'm helping you export the thing. It doesn't make sense. It's weird. They haven't given us an interface to also do it 
quickly and automatically, which is a shame. But yeah, another thing which is funny about IFC and data is, you know how Kobe about construction, operation, I don't know what, building information, blah, blah. That is a subset of IFC. If you have that information in IFC land, then you can automatically get your Kobe data out. But to export it out, you need to have it in the first place. And who needs to put it? Somebody. And you either have a nice interface to do it or you spend time creating funny uh, tables for properties and whatnot. And, and nah, that, that's not fair. We should have easier drop downs and uh, easier tables to fill out, just like we do with normal parameters. And if you've seen, well, I learned a great deal about Blender BIM from your videos. Thank you for that, by the way, with, uh, with Dion. From Dion. <laughs> yeah. When I looked, when I learned uh, through that interface at first, that's how I learned about the IFC details. And now it's, it's kind of removed. There's a lot of abstraction and things are a lot easier to do, but you can still fill out the correct information. And it's just a nicer interface. And I don't think these vendors are making the good efforts to make that easy for you mm -hmm. and to remove the overhead of exporting. For you so do they have an interest in doing it if uh, blender yeah. bim and other native uh, native ifc tools become too big then probably not but if they want to play nicely with the whole industry and realize that a software vendor cannot invent every software in the world then playing nice is a good thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's about the money it's definitely about the money they are scared they will lose market share if they are pushing this so it's a bit uh, interesting controversy you you start the project but you don't want to participate too much when it becomes a thing yeah yeah something like that but uh, let's focus on what we can influence we cannot do anything about that but we can do something regarding open source regarding learning and educating us more about ifc what would you recommend to someone like a civil engineer or an architect who would like to take on this journey on learning more about ifc learn more and trying to use it at work because you learned and you went through these growing pains what would be the easiest approach not so daunting as your own and uh, to make it uh, approachable by anyone there are three things maybe with this the first one is when you try to create ifc data from tools that only export the data that i i've seen a few channels that teach you how to export a ifc from archicad or revit and maybe put a few links if people want to learn from that oh we've put a few in the, the learn OSArch website as well there's a few resources there uh, to learn how to export your uh, your data to ifc uh, th the second part of it is uh, just simply using that information, how to crunch it. So you either have certain goals of uh, maybe you want to do uh, some AI with all your uh, learning information models. So you need a, a big data set of information and not all of it, you just need parts of it. But at least with IFC, you have access to the whole database and you just choose the information you'd like to have and then flatten it out into Pandas data frame and take your AI journey from there. Obviously, there are other ways to tackle this, but I'm trying to simplify, of course. But yeah, I think extracting data and using IFC data for analytics uh, of your project is an easy thing, and you don't need to know too much of the details of IFC. And I actually started a blog where I teach a bit about that, of how to just get IFC data exported to other formats like JSON or CSV or Pandas and mm -hmm. also create a, a dashboard from your uh, building project. And by the way, the video will come out very soon in like two, three weeks. The last three episodes of uh, 
the IFC 101 series that okay. I was preparing on my YouTube channel. I'll make sure to put a link into the in the description. Yeah, I didn't want to advertise too much, but I'm teaching about IFC there. The, the first videos are, they're all simple to, to follow, mm-hmm. but they do go into the details of IFC quite a bit, just to learn how the database interaction works. And the last episodes that are coming out now are simply about just getting data with util functions and with IFC OpenShell and mm-hmm. getting a dashboard up and running with its geometry shown and so on. So, and just using Python, by the way, no JavaScript, yeah. uh, just purely Python, which is uh, something that I had to learn at some point because we've been using that information uh, a great deal and and that's the second part like just using the information you don't need to know too much about the database configuration and yeah my videos can be a great example of that how to learn that the third part is is more about do you want to make your own bim applications like from scratch where i'm saying uh, you can edit and uh, not just visualize your ifc so basically just create a, a native uh, BIM software, just like Blender BIM. That is another route wherein you need to know about how to create, well, how to interact with an IFC database. When you edit what this, then all of these other parameters are changed and you need to propagate certain changes and so on and so forth. And just, yeah, uh, how to access information in IFC to be able to edit it and uh, play with the database. Now, that is a bit harder and it's just through the specifications, I believe, and uh, those who would want to venture in that already know a bit about uh, parsing IFC and editing that and the the full power it can have. Obviously, certain companies want to play nice with IFC, export and import to IFC, and then you would also need, of course, this proper understanding of the database that not everybody needs. We just need the second part, really. And the first part about exporting from uh, Revit, uh, well, from uh, Revit, that's what I do a lot, uh, from uh, some other software. That is just, yeah, user uh, learning through what exists in your software and what's been out there in blogs and videos. You can do a lot. You can go to town with IFC and we still haven't seen the full potential. I think it's it's still in its early days of being used correctly through Blender BIM and IFC JS. We're going to now see a lot more impact of, of uh, IFC in the industry where a lot of new products will flourish, hopefully. And I hope to see that. Yeah. I'm very, very excited about that, especially now with the launch of the IFC JS course. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be on soon. So, yeah, pretty exciting times. I, uh, something you don't know, I may be teaching uh, in the course. There's a module. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. You, you might. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, please. I say I might because uh, the course has started and I still haven't made uh, my part. Okay. Uh, but it's starting tomorrow. And my part is about 4D, how to read the uh, construction planning data and output that in uh, Gantt charts. We've already shown a, a little demonstration in our GitHub uh, repos and also in uh, a test viewer that I'm working on right now but yeah we don't want to keep that to ourselves we want to show the whole world how to do the same we don't need to hide the that away we've done it in blender bim and we're now redoing it in javascript with ifc for now you can just read the data but soon enough we're going to be able to also update our programs through web interface and also yeah propagate side changes directly to an ifc database that's very exciting yeah. 
Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, Hopefully, maybe yeah. start a new open source project. This 4D tool based on IFCJS that people can also contribute and work together, right? Make the next uh, Synchro 4D or something like that open source, you know? Yeah, you know, I've thought about it because th there are two parts to it. The uh, reading the task data part and resources and uh, so on. And that is what is being implemented in Web IFC. And the controls to play with the this data can be a separate project and like adding a sequence slider and adding a few tools for the UI to not be a mess when you try and do a, a 4D application. That may be separate and I've only come to realize it as I was working on it. I was like, this can't be included uh, in WebIFC3, so let's just put it somewhere else. Anyway, yeah, maybe we'll see the, the, the birth of a new project. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think we are going to see a lot from IFCJS during the next months and towards the end of this year and next year. And a lot might also change and uh, very, very, very exciting uh, times. I will circle back to uh, Python. You said that you needed to learn Python to read and to uh, manipulate, to learn more about IFC. Did you learn Python to a level? You just learned the syntax and very simple stuff or you went very deep into this programming language before you started using it with the IFC OpenShell. There are a set of tools within Python that I use and not a great deal. So I, it's maybe 0.1% of what Python can do. And it's, you can do a lot with for loops and while loops yeah. and ifs and the, these kind of statements. And I, I learned through open source, really. I had to, to read code and especially the Blender BIM uh, IFC mm -hmm. open shell code and through reading that my understanding of how we could manipulate certain things changed whilst doing it like I, I improved in terms of how I code I didn't really care about being efficient in terms of code what I cared about was having the logical output the correct mm -hmm. answer and gradually I picked up the, the rest the syntax the better ways of doing things and yeah that's ultimately how you learn you can't know everything from the start and if you keep on learning without doing something and, and i'm not talking about practicing more about doing something real where people will read your code and correct you and be critiquing your code then that's how you improve yeah yeah it's a very accelerated way of learning that one yeah yeah but there's there isn't a lot of python you need to know in order to uh, to do things it, it's more about logic and how to get information how to crunch it together and what output do you want? So it's as simple as that for me. It's, there's a, an input, we do something and there's an output. I don't like to complicate it too much. And whenever there's a new terminology or technology that I need to learn, I, I just go and learn it. So for contributing to IFCJS, I barely knew how to write JavaScript. And I learned just to, to contribute to the library because I had the logic of IFC in mind and I knew that if I just learned how to write JavaScript, then I'll make the same logic. And it's exactly the same logic that's just been written in JavaScript for now. TypeScript was also another thing. It's not like I learned for two months or three months. I just learn a few things. I try to modify, I, it bugs. I resolve the bugs. I pull my hair out. I keep at it until it succeeds and then yeah, with errors, you learn more. If you're learning Python right now, and I'm sure you've uh, also used Python a bit in Dynamo, haven't you? I did not use Dynamo a lot, but I, I learned a bit too much Python without using it on real projects. So I'm in that category of people and uh, now I'm starting to use it uh, more. But uh, yeah, I will get to use it more. That was actually the first things I did was a few Python snippets uh, within Dynamo 
but it was just for loops and uh, changing the format of certain lists. And but that that was extremely limiting because you only interact with what your API allows you to do or what the interface of Dynamo, well, what nodes you have and how they allow you to access other things. That's too limiting compared to what you can do when you have a your full database in front of you and uh, and interact with that it's you play with your data a lot better you learn a lot more about mm -hmm. how to just write code and mm -hmm. that was where i learned properly through these open source programs mm -hmm. and and to be honest dynamo is, a, is an amazing open source project where a lot of individuals have gathered together and uh, debug problems together solve things and I've read a lot of code through that as well. Is it open source though? I heard from some experts that is not really open source. <laughs> Maybe the image is open source and I haven't dug uh, as far as some have in order to dispute that. But I, I, as far as I know, it is open source. The code is uh, on, uh, on GitHub. I don't know what kind of license they have. Maybe Dynamo for Revit is an open source, but Dynamo Core is open source. Yeah. What about Zverchok? Did you use Zverchok with Blender? Yes, and I quickly stopped using it because it's not the exactly the same as what you have in mind. You know, I'm I I'm in the OSR chats and the, and the forums, and I I've seen some of the uses, and I've seen that certain people would like to use use it as well to do certain parametric stuff. But the definition of parametric is is very vague. People in Blender do parametric design, and they just use parameters to drive other things that drive geometry and that display something for you. Those parameters aren't necessarily part of your IFC database. So if you do that just purely with Blender, then yeah, just your parameters, you're inventing your own things. You're using Spurgeon to parametrically design things. Now, the way it's being used by uh, Blender BIM and Topologic is to create a set of nodes that use the topologic API or the Blender BIM uh, IFC API to create that kind of information. So obviously from it, you can derive geometry and display it and show it in Blender, but it's not so much about, yeah, let's just uh, create a Sverjok uh, script. And from the geometry we created with Sverjok, we can easily output that to IFC. No, you would need to go through the Blender BIM nodes of Zverjok. Because Zverjok is the thing and the nodes behind it need to be created. They to allow you to, to do what you're imagining. I don't know what you're imagining, uh, Petru, but uh, I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, like that, start using Zverjok from the beginning with IFC in mind and with Blender BIM, right? And build your projects like exactly how you do in Revit. So you're saying that that is not possible. For now, not as you you would think it is. Okay, um, I understand. Not I the understand. way you would replicate, not, not the same way you would use Dynamo. Oh, well, for now, in the future, obviously, yeah, with more nodes and uh, of course we, we can redo the same. On the other hand, you could use Python in the console, right? And you could do that writing a script, right? Yeah, to do things, of course. It's just logic, ultimately, algorithms that you need to put together. Sometimes you may not have uh, the nodes you need, so you need to program them yourself. As long as you can work from the first uh, principles, then you can build up uh, to what you would like to do. I think it was somebody talking with Dean about applying to Google Summer School of Code, something like that, to program exactly this kind of node. So I hope that will happen and uh, we end up with something like that. That would be really interesting. No, definitely. The, the more nodes are created, 
created, the more we can do with it. There are the basic ones, but they need to connect to the API of uh, Blender. So people might think that we are just talking gibberish right here. Let's go back to the beginning where you said that you are actually using Blender Beam in your work to deliver something for your work. Tell me please more about what kind of services are possible to do right now with this free open source tool that you are using at least because there are definitely other tools that people are using for other purposes but your exactly what did you use so far to deliver in your real projects so i'll say what we've done but i know where this question comes from you're trying to figure out what it is you can do with blender bim and it can do a lot certain things are mature enough and others aren't and if you start with the the tools that aren't mature you may be discouraged to continue using the software you are talking about annotations definitely and documentation maybe that that and, or just creating bim models from scratch which i do and uh, sometimes i find a few bugs but i figure what the bugs are and i try to keep a note of them try and fix them uh, later on or pass them on to someone who can so creating model 3d models from the beginning from scratch is doable yeah you can create like project libraries and that's what we use it for specifically to create project libraries of uh, site equipment like props uh, lifting uh, gear that you need, cranes and so on. Now with that project library, we then create a brand new IFC project and put all these elements together, like these instances that we need. Uh, well, first of all, we import a proper uh, fully finished design of a structure with IFC. So we do import some IFC and then on top of it, we add our projects library and add a few objects to it. Then we just add the planning to that, that we make in another software because we're not using it in Blender BIM. When you mean planning, what do you mean by planning? You mean the plans, the drawings? Oh, the construction schedules. By planning, I mean the construction schedule. So let's assume you work in a Primavera or Astapower project or Microsoft project, and that's how you're used within that schedule or just your plane construction schedule that you know that is then imported as well into IFC and it is then part of the IFC database and we connect all of that information the building information with our planning information to be able to create the simulations that clients want to see and mm -hmm. from subsets of that uh, animation and sometimes it's just a, a one week or two week program for a specific area of work when they look at the whole simulation then they may change a few things and go back and change their initial design and uh, they send it back and we have to run new simulations based on that now that is fully possible with blender bin today how smooth is the workflow how smooth is this workflow between primavera and can you use microsoft project as well you're asking about whether we can export the planning data back we can do it with p6 we implemented that feature recently well uh, a few months back and not yet for microsoft project but we could do the same and if i were to tell you the mess was doing that you, you would laugh because we don't have a, a public schema from primavera or uh, anything like that so we need to know how they organize their xml sheets to be able to, to put the information in the right place so playing with that yeah we were able to export our IFC data back to a P6 XML file that is obviously read back there. So you can even change your construction planning in Blender BIM and export that nice and neatly back to your original software. But when I said that we make changes to the design, it's, it's the actual 
design of architecture and structure that we change by tens to be able to redo the planning. Because there are certain things which are inconstructible or that you realize are inconstructible once you have your objects uh, visualized in front of you. And also for health and safety and all these things. So this 4D capability is fully possible right now. As long as you import your IFC file, import your planning and connect that data to play with it. We make it more beautiful by adding props and cranes and all these things. But we don't even use that information right now for actual, uh, for driving the construction planning, which is a big shame because technically that's what you do. And very few projects do that. I don't know why we just, in general, in construction projects, we don't go into too much detail when we do a, a general construction schedule that we will be following on site, which is weird. Take the bigger picture and try and track that. But if we were to add, imagine all the details of your resources, the numbers you have, the total of, no, of resources you have, the cost of each resource, uh, how the productivity of your resources, you can then just quickly calculate your plannings based on that. You can get your costs based on that. There's a lot you can do that gives you a better image of construction, of the construction project you're about to tackle. And we don't do it. We just don't. We, we think we're going to figure out the details as we go along. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, hopefully uh, we'll change with, the, with these tools that we create. If they're easy to use and information is easily captured, maybe by AI tools or computer vision or whatever, then at least we'll get this information being used correctly for some purpose someday. Yeah. Do you have any other uses that you, you said also 5D? Yeah, well, so for the 5D, we haven't extensively used it because it hasn't been asked yet. You can imagine uh, quantity surveyors love to do things in great detail and in their own way, sometimes just by reading drawings and using Excel and keeping track of what they do like that. And sometimes it works. It works best doing it like that. So we haven't created a full construction schedule in practice in real projects. We haven't used that in real projects. Test projects, yes, we have. But it's not commercial, so I don't know if it counts uh, as an answer. I understand. How can somebody reach out to you? Oh, yeah, through LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to post uh, my little LinkedIn... Uh, LinkedIn profile. Or through my website. There's also my information there. So you can uh, have a look. Awesome. I will uh, make sure to put that in the description. Thank you very much, Asin, for everything. It was very uh, insightful and I learned a lot from this uh, chat. I really appreciate you taking the time to teach me. Great. Well, I, I've learned a lot more from, from you in the past through your videos. <laughs> That's so nice to hear. I'm really happy that somebody find any use to that. So I'm really happy for that. <laughs>